Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Award-winning author Anne Whitney Pierce's bio begins with a term I was completely unfamiliar with. She's a lifelong Canterbridgean. Well, I looked it up, and it pertains to both Cambridge, England, and Cambridge, Mass. We're going to talk more about that shortly. Anne's written three books. Her most recent, Down to the River, references Harvard Square in the 60s. It follows the privileged Potts family who falls apart during the raging uncertainty of the times. Whitney is also the author of Galaxy Girl, Wonder Women, and Rain Line. She taught writing in the graduate writing program at Emerson College in Boston, by the way, while raising her three daughters. Her short fiction has appeared in numerous magazines and reviews and has won several awards, including the Willa Cather Fiction Prize and a Barnes & Noble Discover Great New Writers Award. Lots to talk about with this Canterbridgean, so let's meet and get to know Anne Whitney Pierce. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me remotely today from Cambridge. Thank you so much and thanks for taking an interest. I'm thrilled. Anne, I always do this with my guests when we start at the very beginning. Were you a prolific reader growing up? I was, yeah. Books meant a lot to you. Books always meant a lot to me. Um, you know, as soon as I could write my name, I was at the Cambridge Public Library. And um, yeah, it was my uh, activity of choice. I wasn't a really outdoorsy kid, although I love the outdoors now. But yeah, reading was, it was all about reading. So then the reading turned into writing as you got older? Well, in a circuitous way, it did. I um I wasn't even a kid who wrote journals or anything. I was too busy living my crazy life. But in uh, college, I, I majored in French literature. So again, uh -huh. reading <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. and um, language, you know, always interested in, in words and ideas and all that. And then I got a master's in teaching, which I did for a couple of years and decided I was clearly not cut out for, at least at the junior high level. <laughs> Is this all being done in Massachusetts? Well, the teaching actually happened. This area had just passed Proposition Two and a Half, which made a big difference in terms of the employment opportunities. So, where I taught school, and it was a great little chapter of my life, was up in a remote town in Vermont. And it was, you know, a time I look back on very fondly, but it was junior high. And although I loved the kids, it's such a tough age, and they so don't want to be there. And I just, I didn't have what it, the passion and the energy that clearly is required if you're going to be a good teacher at that level. And mm -hmm. that's when I was living in a kind of a remote area. That's actually when I started writing short stories. And by then I was in my late 20s. So I really didn't c conceive of myself as a writer at all until then. So when that happened to you, when you started to put your thoughts down on paper, it became clearly a natural act for you. It did. It did. I mean, I'd been a prolific letter writer, you know, and it was actually a friend. You know, you wonder, why didn't it occur to me to be mm -hmm. a writer mm -hmm. um, who said, you, you know, I used to write these long, involved letters. And he said, well, you should write something else, you know. <laughs> and it just uh, sort of rang a bell. And, you know, until then, I probably wouldn't have had the discipline or, or the drive to do it. But that's when I started. So while you were living in this remote Vermont area is when the thoughts and the words came to you. And it became 
a natural act, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, mm. I would say that's accurate, yeah. And were you published back then? No, no, mm -hmm. not at all. I mean, literally, I had never even, aside from the work, the academic work I'd done, I'd never completed a fictional narrative or any kind of essay at all. But I just started pulling my VW little bug, chug, mm -hmm. chug, chug, to the side of the road. Um, my boyfriend at the time was a chess player. And he would go around to these holiday inns and play chess in these function rooms. And it was the wildest scene because here are all these, you know, these super brain yeah, chess yeah. type people. And I just found it fascinating. There they'd all be, you know, shoved into a little room in the holiday and <laughs> playing uh -huh. out these brilliant games. So, I, you know, for instance, that was on my way home. I pulled over and just said, I got to write about that. You know, that is a scene. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, that, for instance, I never did anything with. But it, my work usually has a chess player in it. Give us some context in terms of what year are we talking about? I was in Vermont, 80 and 81. Mm -hmm. And then uh, moved back to Cambridge. And long story short, the chess player and I decided to start a family. So that's when I, I had my first daughter um, in 1985, followed by my second, 87, and my third, 89. And by then, I was writing short stories and getting serious about trying to get them published. And was that a slog? It it was a slog, but I'm kind of good at that kind of organizational kind of stick to it. Don't get mm -hmm. discouraged. Um, you have to have a tough skin. And, you know, this is something that maybe a lot of young writers don't even know. But in those days, particularly with the kind of work that my work is considered literary, whatever that means, there was a real strict code of etiquette about how you were to submit your stories and you mm -hmm. were not allowed for these small sort of prestigious publications to send it out to more than one place at one time mm -hmm. it was called uh you know no simultaneous submissions and you know here i am i'm almost 30 you could send something in and they'd say well we might get back to you in six months or you know it might get lost or oh, mm -hmm. you know and so I made a decision at the time, I was going to ignore that rule and take the consequences. And so I would send out multiple versions of a story. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you right now, had I not done that, I would never have gotten, you know, published. So there were no consequences for you? Nobody. No, I had a couple of, of sticky situations where I had sent a story to a contest and it, and then it was accepted by the Boston Globe, but I had neglected to tell them I had entered it in the contest mm -hmm. and uh, she was furious, you know, so I, I was very lucky because as I suspected, it was very unlikely you were going to get quote caught, you know, mm -hmm. at this yeah. and already there were murmurs in the community about how, how unfair that you know, it just wasn't realistic. The process was, yeah. So now most places will. You'll still find an occasional journal or magazine that will say, no, you know, we, we, we have an exclusive look at this. As you get going in your career, if that's what's requested and it's a serious consideration, you would honor that. 
But if you're just a person trying to, you know, send something out into the world, it wouldn't have worked. So the reception was positive for the most part at this point. It was. Part of my understanding of how publishing works is you send it out to a thousand places and you find one person who gets it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that's large, you know, aside from the worth of the work, which is a subjective opinion, um, you know, that's, it's, increases your likelihood of getting published a great deal, you know. How does an agent fit into all of this, or doesn't he or she? At the moment, I don't have an agent. I have had three agents, Mm -hmm. all of whom have been wonderful. Um, And for one reason or another, we've parted ways, which is not uncommon. In the case of this book, Down to the River, it was originally with an agent, Many, many years ago. By the way, I wrote this book many, many years ago. And she tried to sell it. And it was just at a time when literary fiction, you know, and you know, at, at a meeting, an acquisitions meeting, instead of having, you know, an editorial board or, or writers, well, they would still have those people there, but there would be an Amazon rep because, it, you know, that's when sort of that, mm-hmm. a lot of the publishing houses you know, the old school went down or merged yeah, into that. Yeah. So, so it, you know, I, I was, of course, disappointed, but not surprised in the least. And I put this away for a long time. So, well, you know, life goes on and I've written, I actually have a whole nother novel that's ready to go. And I just pulled this out about two years ago. And I said, I really, you know, I feel this is an interesting piece of work. And here we are 50 years later after the late 60s, you know. And it's a relevant right. time, maybe, to to put this out there. And I found Janie Royale at Regal House Publishing, who went to bat for it. And there you go. So, And so the Potts family is fictitious? Yeah. Are the family members people you knew? No. I mean, a fiction writer really, that's what a fiction writer does. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, of course, people are going to think it's all about my life. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, if I some details do mirror what happened in my life, but what you do with fiction is you take all of that life experience and apply it to a character that you've created. Uh-huh. If it's you, it's very different. Then you're writing about your own life. Right. But sure. It, you know, there's a distance. And I remember an editor once telling me, you have to take that leap from getting away from, no, you're not writing I did this, I did that, you know, you're, you're, you're applying all of this wonderful, you know, these memories and the, these details that you have stored because of your own experience and, and putting it into the fiction. And that's fun. Yes, you know, that's I bet. Fun. But these, bet. these people are not in any way my family, although I did <laughs> grow up in a privileged white family in Cambridge, mm-hmm. but they do not represent anybody in my family. None of the characters really do. So as far as the three books, and I know you just said you're working on your fourth, but as far as these three books are concerned, I'm going to use this term, kind of float out of you. Float? More like kicking and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it it doesn't work that way for me. Mm -hmm. Galaxy Girls is a collection of short stories, and those were all written when my kids were, you know, young. So in that sense, 
it, it was a, just a different process that I, I published a lot of them in singular form. And then I, that collection won a prize and got published. So that was very different. The novel I found, even though I love novels, that's my favorite genre, probably. Are you talking about Rain Line now? Your second book? Mm-hmm. The second book. And it, it was hard. It was. I just found it really hard. I can't really tell you why, but... Um, but you knew, but isn't that funny that you found it hard, but you needed to do it? Oh, yeah. What's the storyline? The rain line is about a young woman who is part of an extremely eccentric Cambridge family. Mine, I wouldn't go that far. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Whose boyfriend is killed in an, a car accident, which is actually based on something that happened to a friend of mine. His car went into the Boston Harbor. I He had a passenger who survived that. And so this is an entirely fictitious, in fact, the sexes are changed and everything. Uh um, uh A story of her going through that experience, going back to live with this kind of crazy mother and, you know, eccentric father, and then meeting another person, another man, and just how that all unfolded. So that's the nutshell version of Rain Line. Mm-hmm. The character of the mother was a character I'd written about in a previous short story. And somebody suggested they thought she had some draw as an interesting character. And, uh, you know, I think that she did end up being a, a force in that book. So that was good. As far as the short stories, I had one short story that floated out of me, the way you put it. And I kept ha- hoping it would happen again and again. <laughs> it didn't. But one, I literally just sat down and wrote, and that was pretty much it. Other than that, my process is pretty laborious. Um, mm. It's very much, a you know, going over, editing. I wish I were more spontaneous, but it's just not the way I work. Um, and sometimes I worry that the work is so overworked that, you know, it loses its sense of rhythm and lyricism and all that. But I, you know, that's, that's how I do it. So hard to let it go. In other words, before you hit send, there's all that trepidation. Yeah. But that's one of the things you have to do. Do you work with an editor? No, no, Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty good writer. (laughs) That's very unusual, isn't it, Anne? Um, Or is that my own naivete? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not for, not for seasoned writers. You are offered an editor, as I was with this book, which is wonderful because a lot of it, especially when it's long, is proofreading, you know. But for a press that respects the content of your work, I think if I, I know nothing about a more commercial process, but they will sometimes have you, they don't like the way this comes off or they'll make real substantive content suggestions. Um, I've never had to do that because I just... I'm not, I don't exist in that world. You know, my work doesn't, but um, I had a wonderful editor, Pam Van Dyke at Regal House, who just caught everything. And there's so much to catch, you know, Mm -hmm. even, even as thorough as my research is and, you know, so many small details and things you want to get right and all of that. But um, unless you have a relationship with a publisher who wants who say you've signed a two book deal they've expect that you'll be writing something else but mostly you don't query a publisher with an idea they are not interested in that mm-hmm. they want a manuscript that that's complete 
Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, you know, they'll be very strict and say, if this is not the best manuscript you can make out of this, don't don't even waste our time, kind of thing. Right. Right. So, and and that makes sense to me. So, yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of input, but again, that wor- it works better for me. So you really are very independent. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't have an agent or there's nobody kind of knocking at your door. Are you working on anything now, Anne? No, there isn't. Then, <laughs> you know, it's I think it's partly just a matter of personality. I mean, I'm just not I am not that kind of person, you know. I don't I don't really I love the writing aspect of it. I love the book getting out there, but I'm not really a good marketer. I'm not a good rah rah kind of person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and I've been content when I decided to write. I didn't want this to be the driving force in my life. You know, I just didn't want it to interfere with my family or you know my the pleasure I took in other things. And I didn't want to be hugely disappointed or you know upset. Sure. I just I didn't. I didn't love it that much, you know, it was something I loved to do. And so I think that was just helpful for me because Mm -hmm. I'm that kind of person. So doing things in my own way, in my own time. You need to write? I think so. I I think it would be okay if I didn't write. I think this is, you know, when you grow up and you, you figure out, well, you know, what talents do I have and what passions do I have? Something in the arts I would I would need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think because writing's probably the thing that I'm most confident with and talented at, that I that's fair. I think I mm-hmm. would say I would, you know, I would I need to do it. Yeah. Uh, let's face it, if I didn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing it. I hear you. I hear as you. hard as it is, you know. <laughs> so you mentioned that down to the river, which I said is your most recent book and recently published, and now you're working on book number four. Can you share anything about that? Sure. About the storyline. The beautiful thing oh, is done. It's done. So okay. It is my attempt to write something a little more commercial, a little more upbeat, a little more kind of lighthearted. Uh huh. It's called Fifty Three Pickup. Woman in her fifties, divorced, kind of getting back out into the the world mm-hmm. at large after having raised a family, which mirrors my situation. Oh God, that's universal almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. This one was a little easier. I did have a little bit more fun with it, you know. And uh, we'll see. I hope you know. I hope I can find a, a publisher for that too. I also am thinking about finding an agent for this book, if in fact it seems a little more commercial. It might be worth my while to spend some time doing that. So it's finished? It's all finished. Oh, it's yeah. all finished. Yeah. I mean, that's the irony is that I was finishing this when I pulled out down to the river again. And I said, no, I'm going to take a little pause here and try and get this going. And so that put me off my, you know, I had no deadline, but it put me off the other one for a while. But now it's it's done. It's in, It's done. So in this sense, it flowed out of you. Yeah, yeah, this one more, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, because I, mm-hmm. I really, uh, it, first of all, it was more front and center in my memory, just being a more recent experience of mine, you know, living in this neighborhood, being my age, you know, going out to a bar, this, that, or the other, it was all, you know, I, t- I would sit at the bar and take notes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, 
people would always ask me what I was doing, and they always say, "How about that novel? Am I in that novel? Is that novel going to come out?" Uh-huh. <laughs> I just say, yeah. "Don't hold your breath." <laughs> I think that the striking thing for me is writing is not a natural act. To sit down and do what you do is an incredibly alien concept for me. <laughs> I can tell you a story. I'm very verbal, yes. but you know, well, sitting see, there, in, you have that gift. I don't have that gift. Well, but truly, mm-hmm. truly, we all have our different gifts. And uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, no, you didn't. I, but I, I know just, a lot of people say that to me. Like, I hate writing. It's so hard. It makes me crazy. It makes me crazy, for instance, to have to write anything that's, that's nonfiction. That mm-hmm. terrifies me. I don't, I don't know how to, you know, I don't have a feel for that at all. Like, how do you do that with clarity and, you know, getting your sequences right is more foreign. But fiction does, you know, and and it it leads me back to your question about flowing out of you. I guess that's why fiction doesn't scare me so much, because it really, things do flow out of you and you can grab them and and work with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would imagine if they didn't, that that would be a kind of a loss as you're struggling what should I write about next, yeah. you know, as opposed yeah. to you've right. got another idea and yeah. the ideas keep coming. And that's yeah. what's just so great. You can call your own shots. You're not teaching writing anymore, correct? No, I, I taught, you know, on a part-time basis for years and it's just so much work, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, having graduate students and being thesis advisor and going downtown all that time. So I just... And having to read everything, which yeah, you know, and ta- kind you know, of sucks ta- too. And you take it so seriously because, you, you know, you know how important it is for these kids. And uh, so I just gave myself a break. <laughs> Well, you said that you started writing when your kids were little. You were able to do that as you raised three daughters? You found time to do that? And the irony was when when my kids got more independent, I found it even harder to write because something about, well, there, there are two things. I always say when my kids were young was probably one of the happiest times of my life. I was uh-huh. just, I loved it. You know, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was just. I had my life the way I wanted. I was so lucky. Uh, you know, I was with a guy who made a good living and who supported me. And I was kind of on a high so that I would do things. You know, my kids were terrible sleepers. and But every chance they slept, I would go into the bathroom and write, you know, just write on pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. Not a strange way, I guess. It makes sense. I was so energized by my life and what was going on around me that it didn't seem like, oh, I'm so tired from the kids and I right, um, right. really want to write, but I can't write. I would just, mm-hmm. you know. so I'm kind of having that again now. I'm at a really nice place in my life. You know, I'm very comfortable and my family's well and I'm just kind of rediscovering being, you know, an older person and it's great, you know. Well, that's and, a different perspective also yeah, when it comes okay. to writing. You can bring that in where you couldn't before, you know, where you're now at the other half of your life. Right. That would have to be not intense, but certainly seminal. You're just going to keep on keeping on. I sure am. Yeah. I already started another book that I, and I know what it's about, you know, basically. So you've got two books going at once? 
No, I finished. The other one's finished. That's right. I oh. just need to do the work on marketing it. But no, this this is a new idea and a new, uh, at, still at the stages of writing on yellow paper, which is yeah. Oh, very, is that what you do? You well, handwrite? The very first, only the very first stages. Uh-huh. So it's, it's new. It's very new. But, um, uh-huh. you know, then, of course, it goes on to the computer. But, yeah, just. Right getting the ideas going and making sure you don't forget it when you wake up in the morning. Sure. Sure. But how energizing that is that to be a certain age and just to know that there's so much in your head as well as around you, you know, that it's not, I'm done because I don't know what else to write about that. There's nothing coming in. And that's really kind of sad. It is sad. A lot of people I know my age are feel that way. And it makes me really sad for them. Because I just don't feel that way, you know, this sense of I haven't accomplished what I want and mm. I, you know, I wish I'd have done that. And, you know, so I, I consider myself very lucky, very lucky duck. I always tell mm-hmm. my kids I'm a lucky duck. <laughs> well, and also it's worked for you. Yeah, Luck is, is one thing, but no, it's also talent and people out there wanting more from you. I can't imagine that Down to the River won't be a big seller. Based on so. what it's about. The timing. 50 years. Is yes. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. And how much of you personally do you put in your books? Lots. Lots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just things that happened. Surely sentiments. But it's interesting, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Sometimes when I, uh, in this book, when I wrote a scene, and there'd be some scenes between mother and daughter, say, and I would think back to, how that would have played out with me and my mother. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I'm thinking one particular scene. I decided I'm not going to do it the way it would have played out in my home because there's a more dramatic way it could have played out, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this character felt a different way than you might have felt, and she was angry at her mother about it, where I wouldn't have been. But um, you bring your heart and your soul into it for sure. And yeah, it's like taking your clothes off, isn't it? Anne? Yeah, a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to get you have to get used to that too. I mean, I remember I only took one writing class in my late 20s and my teacher said, you know, no matter what you write and call it fiction, they're going to say this is you and this is what you did. And she said you could write a story about going on a safari and your best friend would call you the next day and say, "You never told me you went on a safari." <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but um yeah, you bring you bring your heart and soul into it, and you know sometimes it it sort of represents what you might have done. Sometimes it doesn't, and that's that's really the interesting part sure. is that your characters grow and do start to make decisions on their own, you know, through you, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and that's an interesting uh, part of the process. Where does short fiction stand in your life now? Well, I occasionally write a short story. I love short fiction. I think uh, I think actually I may be a better short story writer in some ways. But as I said, I'm just drawn to the novel and, and the sort of the, the saga aspect of life and all that. I get asked who's my favorite author. My favorite author is Alice Munro, who's a Canadian short story writer. I don't know if you've heard of her. Mm-hmm, I have. And she's sort of represents everything that I admire about a writer and writing a woman and all that. So I love reading short fiction. 
it went out of vogue for a long time, but now it's starting to come back in. So there's some wonderful collections that are starting to crop up again, which is great. How do you feel about finishing a book and then do you read it when it's done? You mean when it's published? Yep. No, <laughs> not, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not certainly not not right away. I had to read it a couple of times to work with the editor just to, as we went through, you know, combing word by word, which is really what you have to do. But in terms of sitting down and reading it as if it were a book, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, you know, I, I, I would say no, I really haven't done that. So it's it's finished. It's done. It's published, it's pushed over here, and then we move on to the next event. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's, as with any creative thing, there's always that lull, that sort of, first, there's huge relief. And, you know, you pat yourself on the back a little bit and say, okay. And then there's this panic. There's a void, you know, and you go, can I do this again? Do I want to do this again? Mm -hmm. Do you remember how much work it was to do that? And you just need a little recovery time and then slowly. Well, because it's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. To write. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And you write every day? Uh, no, no. Some, mm-hmm. some days go by. I don't. Uh, it depends. You know, it, it depends where you are in the process of writing something or I've been spending actually the last six months. I haven't really written anything. I'm just dealing with the book and, you know, making sure I can do the best for the book I have times when I'm just reading and, you know, not really writing. So has the pandemic impacted you in any way in terms of being more productive in your writing? Did that make Um, a difference? No, no, because my life didn't change a lot during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Now, my kids were grown. My daily uh, life was not impacted too much by that. So Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time, you know, at home and working in my study. And so no. Well, it sounds like you've worked out a really good balance for yourself. You've made it work for you and you're publishing yeah. a lot of books. I mean, one right after the other. That's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you seem self-deprecating. Well, that's that's the wasp in me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anne, it was really a joy to meet and get to know you. Yes, Continue thank you so much. your good works. I think it's I'm really sure wonderful that you're able to do what you want to do and you can call the shots. And yeah. that doesn't happen all that often. And no, it's so nice I, when I, it does. And that it works. You know, and it, yeah. uh, the books <laughs> are published and people want right. to read them. And what's better than that? That's true. Yeah, so true. Well, thank you for this good work that you do. A lot of creative women out there. Spotlight them as as much and as often as we can. It's wonderful. It's been totally my pleasure to meet all these women. Oh, I bet you've heard some wonderful stories. Wonderful. I'm in awe of that. I want to thank you for sharing your life and your passion with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.